Welcome to the Eric Erickson Show podcast, Hour 3. Hello, America. How are you? It is Eric Erickson here. I sure hope that you are doing great today. Uh, I want to play you some audio. If you subscribe to my show notes, just text Eric to 33777. You can get it. You, you would see this video. Clay Travis. I got to give him credit for highlighting this. I had missed it. Uh, would have otherwise suppressed it, I'm sure. Uh, but what is the big issue of the day? What What is the big issue of the day? The economy? Crime? The border? Well... Here's what was happening at the White House today. It's day 222 of being a girl. I'm in Washington, D.C., and I'm going to the White House to speak to the President of the United States. You know that phrase, I fear I may have girl boss too close to the sun? Well, that's how I feel today because I get to sit down with Joe Biden and now this news and I get to ask him a few questions surrounding trans issues in the United States and talk to him about my transness. And I I really just want to represent my community the best that I can. And you know what? As silly as I am on here, I'm ready to step up and show that trans people, we're not going anywhere. And that trans kids, they deserve a fighting chance to be their true selves. Okay? Oh my God, I'm running late. Let's go. And y'all... The White House decided to have trans activists and members of La Resistance, the actual, like, actual resistance movement uh that fought trump in the streets like like smashing windows and the like show up at the white house today the resistance kids they showed up i I guess they're planning for battle after the election maybe they're going to try to i don't know storm the capitol or something i don't know um this is this is what's going on in the white house today as joe biden yet again tried to address the american public and reassure them he cares about the issues of crime and the economy and inflation he then did this sort of stuff this is the sort of stuff that actually at the end of the election affects those undecided voters who are trying to make up their minds you may not understand the voters out there who are undecided i do i know a lot of them they have a high-minded idea of politics. They wish it were not as crass as it is, and they really care about the issues. They don't care about the people, and ultimately, they're all moving to the GOP because of it, and then they see stuff like this, and they think, oh, my gosh, these people really are out to lunch on this sort of stuff. Meanwhile, there is breaking news happening right now. The Democrats and the House of Representatives have formally subpoenaed Donald Trump for the January 6th committee. Notice they're doing it on a Friday before 5 p.m., This is designed to give the Sunday shows uh, a heads up on it. When news breaks on a Friday after 5 p.m., it is designed to bury it. The reason it's designed to bury it is because by 5 p.m., the newscast for the night is largely set in stone. There could be some little deviation, but not a lot. And the bookers for the TV shows on Sunday, they've gone home. But news is breaking right now that Democrats in the House of Representatives intend to subpoena formally Donald Trump to the January 6th committee. This is designed before 2 p.m. The news started trickling out to shape the Sunday shows. Meet the Press, Fox News Sunday, Face the Nation, This Week, all of those. 
They're going to want their friends in the press to cover the story on Sunday and ask Republicans about January 6th. This is a way to shape the Democrats' closing argument. The Democrats could wait to do this subpoena until after the election in two and a half weeks, but they want to do it now. If they were serious about Donald, getting Donald Trump before them, they would have done it months ago because the moment the Republicans take back the House of Representatives is the moment the subpoenas get canceled and the hearings in committee die. That they waited now, two and a half weeks before the election, is all about the election. It's not about the truth of the matter. It's not about January 6th. It's not about any of that stuff. It's a political stunt. I don't care that some of you disagree with me. If you disagree with me, what you need to explain is why they did not do this six, seven, eight months ago when they had time to fight him in court and get him to show up. Why did they do it two and a half weeks before the election when they're still going to have to go to court and try to fight him? And that fight probably will not be had for a month or so. And by then, Congress will have gone home and the Republicans will be on the verge of taking over January 3rd and they're going to shut the whole thing down. Timing is everything. To announce it right before 2 p.m. on a Friday is designed to get maximum Sunday show coverage. Right now, the bookers of these shows are scrambling to get all of these Democrats from the committee on television on Sunday to smear Donald Trump, tie him to the Republicans, and hope like hell that some undecided vote Voters change their minds about voting Republican. It is a cynical, crass ploy from people who claim they are scared of saving democracy. They got to—it's a threat to democracy. They got to do something to save it, and they're turning it into a PR stunt for their own election options. That means they're not really cared about democracy. They don't really fear Donald Trump and the Republicans taking power. What they're trying to do is a sick political ploy where they scare people about democracy and use their fear to get them reelected. That's not saving democracy. That's not being concerned about democracy. That's the cynical politics of fear that the Democrats are using as their last-ditch effort to save their own power, and it's not going to work. Now... Let's take your phone calls, 877-973-7425. I begin with Cindy. Welcome to the show, Cindy. How are you? Thank you so much for taking my call. Can't wait to meet you in person next week. Excellent. <laughs> um, no, my, my, I've got a comment and a question. My comment, I did vote early. I had no problem. I'm in Fulton County. Went in, it went wait, very smoothly. Wait a second. Wait, Cindy, you weren't suppressed. Stacey Abrams told me you were all being let suppressed. Me, let me finish this. I was not, and I don't need, I mean, I'm going to make sure I put this the right way. There was one person working there, two, I'm sorry, two people working there that were not people of color, um, you know, processing people. There was a poll watcher. Um, there were two people that had problems standing, so they were given chairs, and they were, they were, t- they went right to the front of the line. And all over the walls, I was in a library, and on the walls, they had, Explicit instructions on everything, explaining the law, you know, the new law. Mm-hmm. And they also said the different IDs that people could use, um, you know, being a first-time voter, registered voter. You know, you could use a government check as long as it had your name and your address on it. It was very explicit. It was wonderful. There was no way anybody could say there was any suppression of any sort. Uh, it was listen. great. Cindy, I just, I'm going to pray for your soul 
calling this program and lying like this about how easy it was to vote when Stacey Abrams told me that you were being suppressed. Now, here's what you no, don't I know. No, I have one question that, for you, listen, though. Well, hang on. It, it's it's when you put your ballot in, it was actually the shredder, and you don't know it yet. That, that's clearly well, the I voter's saw it. No, you printed <laughs> out. I saw it. It printed. I saw I it. I, it printed out after I finished it on the kiosk. It printed out, and the gentleman said, stand right here. I want you to see. I want you to see that it has been indeed recorded. And even My on that paper goodness. that was on the wall was talking about how you will get verification if once your mail-in ballot is received, you will get authentication. It, it's, I mean, listen, I, I appreciate you calling in and, and say this in all seriousness, no, no, no flippancy here at all. Thank you, uh, one, for voting early and, and two, for calling and talking about the process. I think people need to know it. it is not this abominable process that Democrats have been saying nationwide uh, would happen in Georgia or other states. It's actually a very efficient process, and the poll workers are really nice, good people. They're wonderful people. They are wonderful people, and I'm saying everything was in big letters on the wall. I mean, it was so honest and above board. But my question or observation, I should say, you were so nice to bring out the comments that Abrams had made on MSNBC. Mm-hmm. You know, um, But, you know, I get very frustrated by our local news programs, the news apps, and the news coverage here in Atlanta, because they'll talk about January 6th local committee. And they'll talk about the celebrities coming in town to cover Abrams and help her out. Oprah. Not one of them. Not one of them has said anything about well, her okay. negative comments. I, so I, I do. Let me defend Greg Bluestein at the Atlanta Journal-Constitution on this one because he has. And Abrams okay, herself. Yeah. Abrams herself came after Bluestein on Twitter for him. All he did was quote her. And she went after him on Twitter, accusing him of taking her words out of context. Um, Bluestein did. He did it in the paper, and he did it on Twitter, and made the Abrams campaign furious. So I got you. You're right. Overwhelmingly, I'd love to, see, him, sort of I'd love to see it in one of these apps, though, one of the local yeah. newspaper apps or TV apps. Yep. that we have uh, look, on our phone. I, I, I totally get that. I do. Um, I, I do want to defend him on that one. But listen, Cindy, it's a pleasure. Have a great, great weekend. Thank you for calling in. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye. Uh, by the way, she's mentioning next week I'll be at the Governor's Gun Club in Kennesaw, Georgia. Any listener anywhere in America, you're more than welcome to come get a deep dive briefing on the final two weeks of the campaign. I'll have somebody from Brian Kemp's campaign there. Uh, my buddy Rich McCormick, who's about to become a congressman, is going to be there. Uh, we'll, we'll get some inside scoops, some inside polling data and the like. All you have to do is text the word bourbon to 33777. I'll give you a ticket link back. The VIP ticket, you come early, uh, you hang out, you you sample some bourbons, check out the gun range. The general admission ticket, just come for the event, uh, come for the talk, come for the questions. You don't have to be a drinker, you don't have to be a shooter, you just wanna come. If you follow me on Instagram at EW Erickson, there's also a link in my stories. Just scroll through the stories, you'll find that link to get your ticket. Um, it's gonna be a good time. Cindy's gonna be there, I'm gonna be there, and a lot of you can come too. Now, back to the phones, 877-973-7425. Matt, welcome to the show. How are you, Matt? Good, how are you? Great, what's going on? So, I, I agree with your last caller about the ease of voting, and I voted on day two of early voting. Um, I'm, I'm a very angry Republican, uh, well, libertarian that leans le- uh, right, and my question for you, with the, with the history of 
black black voter suppression or forcing them to vote for Democrats. I don't understand why they continue to vote for the Democrats when, you know, things like Southern Democrats wanted to continue slavery and, you know, things like that. They wanted to consider black people three-fifths of a person. I don't understand. It doesn't make any sense to me why these people would continue voting for that party when they don't have any of their best interests at heart. Well, just keep in mind that uh, the the education system of America, controlled by teachers unions, has done a very good job of trying to convince black voters over time that those Democrats became Republican with Richard Nixon. Uh, that's the excuse. Now, historically, though, let, let let me. I'm glad you asked this question. Let me. This is this is Matt is a perfect example of a great caller. He's asking a question that makes me look good because I can give you an honest answer. <laughs> um, in all honesty. Uh, it was Republicans who Democratic voters or uh, Democratic presidents relied on to get the Civil Rights Act passed. Over time in the 70s and 80s, hush up, Siri, over time in the in the 70s and 80s, a lot of Southern Democrats did become Republican, but it wasn't because of race issues, contrary to what the Democrats say. It actually had a lot to do with economic issues. Uh, They felt like a lot of uh, leadership in this country, led mostly by members of Congress who were in leadership, who were up north, were leaving southern states behind. Uh, They had evolved very rapidly, progressively, socially liberal. Uh, Christian voters in the south felt um, marginalized, and so they began shifting to the right. And Democrats took that cultural shift to say, see, see, black voters, we told you all the racists are now Republicans. The other thing that really happened that is most notable is that – Dwight Eisenhower was a very big proponent of civil rights, and then he left, and John F. Kennedy and and Lyndon Johnson took the White House, and they carried on the push that Dwight Eisenhower had started, and they were willing to go further by sending National Guard troops and others to open up schools during desegregation in ways even Eisenhower was resistant to do. And they built a bond with black voters that has generationally perpetuated. And then Lyndon Johnson and his Great Society um, movement was designed to alleviate poverty in the black community. And arguably, I think it destroyed the black community, but it hasn't been seen that way. So there are historic data points that have built a coalition in the Democratic Party for black voters. That coalition is beginning to fray, however, as uh, rich, white, secular atheists take over the Democratic Party. Those black voters who don't like the rich, white, secular atheist paternalism are now moving back to their natural home, the GOP, where Martin Luther King was and where Frederick Douglass was, where Booker T. Washington was. They were all Republicans. That coalition is coming back to the GOP as the GOP is less really interested in small government, but still very interested in cultural conservatism. That's resonating with black voters who see and have always thought of small government and states' rights as code for uh, we want to defund the social welfare state that has helped black families uh, in the 1950s and 60s. There's There's a realignment beginning in this country. But that's why, and I don't think we should disparage black voters for feeling like they had a home in the Democratic Party. I do think that the Republicans have been doing a very good job, particularly under Donald Trump, and no one saw it coming, of making black voters feel like they could get a better home in the GOP. And the data shows it's starting to work. 
I really do like his opinion on things. Eric Erickson, the information you need and the truth you demand. He tells it like it is. Live every weekday. I want to tell you guys a little about a group I've been working with, Americans for Prosperity. Maybe you've heard of them. They're the largest grassroots network in the country fighting to expand freedom and opportunity so that we can unleash prosperity in America again. Here's what I like about Americans for Prosperity. They focus on building movements at the community level, not Washington, D.C. That's actually how I first came to know them, in Georgia, helping rise up the Tea Party movement in 2010. They understand we're not going to find solutions in Washington. we got to take power out of Washington. That's going to have to come from Americans like you outside the Beltway bubble. That's why I'm excited to partner with Americans for Prosperity to provide an effective platform where we can talk to our fellow Americans and advocate for solutions to the most critical challenges facing the country. I encourage you to learn more about Americans for Prosperity by going to americansforprosperity.org slash Eric. Breaking news, stand by on the phones. The phone lines are open, 877-973-7425. Just the other day, Charlie Crist's campaign manager resigned to focus on family matters. This happened, uh, I think, two days ago. Uh, Josh Austin, Josh Durer, 43, resigned, I mean, 22 days before the election from Charlie Crist's campaign to focus on family matters. Breaking news right now from Mark Caputo at MSR at NBC. The manager of Charlie Chris Florida gubernatorial campaign was arrested in a domestic violence case a day before he resigned his political position. Austin John Drewer, 43, was arrested Tuesday on second-degree misdemeanor assault charge following a dispute at a Cambridge, Maryland home, according to online court records and local prosecutor in the case, Amanda Leonard, who read a probable cause affidavit to an NBC News reporter over the phone. The alleged victim indicated there had been an argument that had turned physical with the father of her child, who was identified as Austin Drewer. There are signs of physical injury to her face consistent with what she reported. Drewer was arrested at the residence on the spot because police are empowered to do so. If officers are responding to a domestic violence-related call, there are signs of physical injury, and the allegations are between either domestic partners or cohabitants within a 14-hour period, Leonard said. Drewer did not immediately respond to requests, nor did the Christ campaign. A Democrat familiar with the campaign and the controversy confirmed the arrest. Charlie Crist's campaign announced Wednesday Drewer had resigned from the campaign to focus on a family matter. Drewer had served as Crist's chief of staff for his Charlie Crist's Florida congressional office. There you have it. Uh, this breaking news from Mark Caputo at NBC News. Charlie Crist's campaign manager who resigned on Wednesday. Turns out he had been arrested the night before for uh, domestic abuse. All right. Well, it's not going to matter for Charlie Chris one way or the other. He's already toast. The question in Florida is not uh, whether or not Ron DeSantis wins. The question in Florida is by how much Ron DeSantis wins. The same is the case in Georgia, where Democrats are starting to believe Brian Kemp could exceed Nathan Deal's margin of victory. And if so, if he gets to 55%, then Herschel Walker wins without a runoff more likely than not. It's not a guarantee for Herschel Walker. But more likely than not, the Kemp campaign is firing all cylinders. One thing nationally, I think those of you who are in other states don't have an appreciation for, is Stacey Abrams, all of you have heard that this mythology 
that she was this great builder of campaigns and grassroots movements, it's collapsed in Georgia. It's collapsed. The Kemp campaign itself is turning out a massive array of voters in Georgia. Uh, Kemp campaign in Georgia is turning out black voters who are voting Republican. It is remarkable that the data is there to show that it is happening, and this has flown under the radar from the national media as they've touted um, Stacey Abrams. When we come back, I want to spend a little more time with you guys on the phones, 877-973-7425. We do have other stuff we got to talk about, including Elon Musk under investigation as he tries to take over Twitter. So winter is coming, and I got to tell you, I love the weight of the bull and branch sheets. I like them in the summer when it's hot and you don't want a lot of covers on you. But in the wintertime, they're just the perfect weight, the perfect, I don't know, smoothness. They're 100% organic cotton threads. They've got super softness. They get softer every time you wash them. They're just the drape when you're laying down and stuff. They're not. They're just perfect sheets. I love them. Uh, I am effusive with my praise for Bull and Branch, and I'm delighted to have them as an advertiser. Look, they're made from the highest quality threads. They got superior softness. They got over twenty five thousand rave customer reviews and counting. I'm one of them. The quality you can tell is great. They hold up well after all the washes I've put them through. And they just get softer. It doesn't matter what the thread count is. The fiber sucks. And you can tell they put a lot of great detail into the fibers they use. And look, Bola Branch gives you a 30-night risk-free trial with free shipping, returns on all orders. You're going to feel the difference. You're not going to want to send them back. The first 100% organic fair trade certified bedding company ever. They use 90% less water than conventional production, zero pesticides, other chemical, toxic chemicals. They don't use them. It's just fantastic. Listen, I'm effusive with my praise. I love Bull & Branch. Try them for yourself. And again, you get a 30-night risk-free trial, free shipping, returns on all orders. Try the sheets that will make you fall for the coziest night's sleep in the season where you want cozy sheets. 15% off your first set of sheets. Free shipping when you use promo code ERIC, E-R-I-C-K, at BolandBranch.com. That's BolandBranch, B-O-L-L-A-N-D, Branch.com. The promo code is ERIC. Trust me, they're worth it. We've got five bedrooms, five beds, Bolin Branch sheets on every bed. Hello there. It is Eric Erickson here. The phone number is 877-973-7425. If you want to be on the program, uh, real quick, Karine Jean-Pierre, the White House. Is the president going to go to Georgia or Nevada um, in the next, like, 19 days? I don't have any, I don't have any uh, travel to preview for you at this time. As you know, we're going, we're going to be in Pittsburgh and Philly today, and the president's truly excited about that. <laughs> that means no, no. Uh, Oprah Winfrey is campaigning for Democrats. Joe Biden is not. Jim Clyburn. The Democratic whip in the House of Representatives uh, on television this morning on MSNBC. Well, let me make it very clear. All of us are concerned about these rising costs. And all of us knew this would be the case uh, when we put in place this recovery program. Anytime you put more money uh, into uh, the economy, uh, prices uh, tend to rise. And I don't know of anybody who will say I would rather... Pay $10 or even uh, $0.10 or even $0.20 less per gallon and allow you to take my rights away, my voting rights away, and these other things that we know the other party is doing to suppress votes. I don't know anybody who is willing to have cheaper gas and have their rights taken away. 
Apparently, Jim Clyburn doesn't know a single American voter who will put up with a lot as long as you give them cheap gas. That's remarkable. You know, going back to the Korean Jean-Pierre one, I, I didn't get to play this yesterday, and I really wanted to. Uh, our friends at the Grabian produced a montage of every White House press conference since Corrine Jean-Pierre has taken over. We don't have anything to uh, to announce at this time. I don't have anything to share about that at this time. I just don't have anything to share. I don't have anything to preview for you about his schedule this this weekend. I'm just saying I don't have anything to preview to, for you today. I don't have anything. I don't have anything specific uh, to to add. I don't have any particular examples for you at this time. So I'm not going to comment. So I'm not going to get ahead of the conversations that are ha happening right now. I'm not going to get ahead of the, the president. I'm not going to get ahead of the president. I'm not going to get ahead of of uh, of of what that process is potentially going to look like. We have been pretty clear on this. The president has been very clear. The president has been very clear on that. We've been very clear about this. We have made crystal clear. Our position is crystal clear. And we have been very clear on this. Like, the president understands. I understand the question, and I hear the question, but we just can't. I, I can't respond to it from here, from the podium. I, I don't understand your question. You have to say more. That's a very good question. I would refer you to the Department of State. I would refer you to the Department of, of Education, who would have details here. I would refer you to the Department of Treasury. Definitely uh, would refer you to, back to Department of Energy. I would refer you to either ODNI or the Justice Department by any specific questions. And it goes on, by the way, for another minute. <laughs> wow. Wow. By the way, that reminds me, while I'm sitting there listening to that idiot's uh, refused to answer questions, whatever happened to Kamala Harris? Whatever happened to Kamala Harris? She's like in the witness protection program. The closing three weeks of the midterm elections, Kamala Harris is nowhere to be seen. Where where did Kamala Harris go? All right. The phone number, 877-973-7425. Jim, you're up next. Welcome. Well, thank you. Well, I'll tell you what. Would you like to help me spread a rumor here? Uh, when that uh, trans person got all thrilled about going to see Joe Biden, why don't we just tell people that what they're really doing is they're planning a righteous version of January 6th for when they get clobbered in the polls uh, this year. Uh, poor woman or person uh, sounded just man. Man. OK. Uh, OK. 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 Yeah. Trans man. Therefore, that's why it sounded like a woman. Uh, sounds how, how to say this nicely out to lunch. And just totally unaware. And I thought, oh, God. Uh, so let's Look, just go I, ahead I and say, spread I, that I didn't rumor. I the end uh, of the audio there where, where the guy, and then, by the way, so it's a, it's a man who very clearly is a man who has even a, a very large Adam's apple who so, tries to sound like a woman, clearly got a lot going on there, um, and but says that it's, it's trans voters are going to get in the mud. They're going to get dirty, and they got to get dirty to clean things up because um, they're not going anywhere. I, I Look, you and I both know how this is going to play out. The Republicans are going to win. Cities are going to burn, and the media will say they're mostly peaceful. It, it, when a Republican riots, it's the worst thing ever. When Democrats riot, the media makes excuses for it. it it's the story of our times, and it's one reason that these sorts of narratives are not persuading voters anymore because the voters have had enough of it. They see it happening all the time. Dan, going to go to you next. Welcome to the show, Dan. How are you? I'm doing fine, Davis. How are you? Great. But a, a brief um, a question. I 
um, I read something uh, last week, I think it was, from a website called Alternet. Yes, it was left-wing. Oh, yeah. But it was Very familiar with them. <laughs> it was talking about, I think, four Republicans, whose name I never heard, who are planning or plotting, whatever they think, um, to cut Social Security and Medicare benefits once the Republicans take over the House. Know anything about that? Uh, yes, uh, Joe Biden has been saying this. So so let, let me give you the grand scheme of things here. We have a real problem. I meant to get to this earlier and could not. Does anybody know what happened to the deficit when the Biden administration rammed through the student loan forgiveness plan? Not our national debt, but the deficit. You know the difference between the two. So the deficit is the yearly shortfall between uh, revenue and expenses for the federal government. When you have a uh, billion dollars of spending and only $500 million of revenue, well, you have a $500 million shortfall, the difference between the spending and the revenue. That difference, if not made up at the end of the year, that $500 million gap then goes to the national debt each year and the national debt goes up over time. So our national debt is $31 trillion. Well, with the deficit, the gap between revenue and expenditure this year, uh, the forgiveness of student loans has caused a 568% increase 568% increase in the deficit for this year. It's going to cause inflation, in other words, this massive amount of spending. So here's the problem. Interest rates are going up. What the federal government does is it doesn't pay down the national debt. It just services the interest. It makes an interest payment on the national debt. As interest rates go up, well, the amount of money that must be paid to service the debt goes up because it's based on present interest rates. So at some point, we're going to have to do a couple of things. We're going to have to cut government spending or we're going to have to increase taxes. Republicans won't increase taxes. They're going to want to cut spending. So what the Democrats are saying is that the Republicans are going to cut Social Security and Medicare. Now, there's not a plan to cut Social Security and Medicare. It's just what Democrats say Republicans are going to do because they are scared to death of having Republicans in power, and they think that voters will be scared that Republicans will cut um, spending. This is Joe Biden at the White House earlier today. The president of the United States said this. Everything they proposed and are proposing, will make inflation worse. Everything they're proposing will make inflation worse. So he's tried to scare people that the Republicans are going to raise inflation uh, when that's not really going to be the case. Here's a little more. I think it's been back and forth with them ahead, us ahead, them ahead, back and forth. And the polls have been all over the place. I think uh, that we're going to see one more shift back to our side in the closing days. And let me tell you why I think that. We're starting to see some of the good news on the economy. Gas prices are down sharply in 46 of the 50 states because of what I've been doing. We're moving in the right direction. There's more to come. State unemployment today, state unemployment, 
was all-time lows in 11 states, and 17 states have unemployment rates under 3 percent. The new deficit numbers, there's a, it's a record, a record decrease. It's never happened before. The election is not a referendum, it's a choice. Uh, actually, uh, the deficit is now surging once they factored in the student loan bailout. So he's pretty much wrong on all of that. Gas prices are actually trending up now as well. But they're doing everything they can. Larry Krasner, who is the district attorney in, in Philadelphia, where black voters are on MSNBC complaining about crime, he considers it racism to talk about crime. Part of the Republican playbook, as you well know, is to point a finger at large, diverse cities and say large, diverse cities are lawless. Does that remind you of anything? You ever heard that before? Those of you in the press are students of history. You're aware of the Southern strategy. What we see here is the same old playbook, which is about coded and racist messaging. It's about blaming the biggest city in Pennsylvania with the most diverse population for having the same national struggle that we have with gun violence everywhere and even having increases that are less than the committee's counties. Now, I'm going to go back to these Pennsylvania voters on MSNBC. These are all black voters, not a single white person here other than the reporter asking the question. This is their DA who says it's racist to talk about crime. These are the black voters in Philadelphia. Who thinks that crime potentially impacting you or your family is the greatest fear you face right now. Yes. Absolutely. Crime is at an all-time high at this point. Crime is crazy. Yes, crime and... It's, it's beyond... And, and telemarketers. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the pandemic. Have you seen a rise specifically in your neighborhoods? It's rise everywhere. Everywhere, yeah, all throughout jacking, the city. The carjacking is crazy. The robberies. It just, it just doesn't make any sense. It seems to be like it's, more than ever. It's and it's weird. not just the city is even into the suburbs so it's it's um but it's obviously is more heavily concentrated in in the urban areas um but absolutely um we don't even know going home today how yeah how we're going to feel you know whether you're driving or on public transportation what's going to happen i feel like a lot of times like i'm in a video game get charlie home yeah. <laughs> you know what i mean or get charlie to work it's a sense of the respect is going. I don't know where it went, yeah. but it's going. And that's one of the main things we're dealing with out here now. It's a lack of respect for life, yes. for people. Mm -hmm. um, never seen it before. Are these black voters in Philadelphia racist? In September alone, medical costs rose a full percentage point. Prescription drug prices declined by only one-tenth of a percent, but the cost of physician services increased five-tenths of a percent, while the index for hospital services increased one-tenth of a percent. Year over year, the costs associated with medical care are 6.5% higher than they were last year. Next year, eligible families will be able to purchase new electric vehicles and install rooftop solar panels with backup batteries at a reduced cost. But fuel oil is up 58%, food is up 8%, and 11% if you're comparing today's grocery bill with 2021. New car prices are up 9%, 
Motor vehicle insurance is up 1.6% last month alone, and electric vehicle subsidies only go so far. You're going to need a home to put solar panels on, which is increasingly expensive. Mortgage rates have reached a 16-year high. This is Noah Rothman in commentary today. This doesn't even take into account crime where the FBI has changed the way it does the data under the Biden administration. And now they can't tell you crime has risen because they've screwed up the data. It won't be resolved until, interestingly enough, after the election. And the Democrats are saying it's racist of you to be worried about crime. These black voters in Pennsylvania, in Philadelphia, I assure their DA, they're not racist. Amazing. This is where we are. Now, I was talking to AFP the other day in Washington, D.C., Americans for Prosperity. Americans for Prosperity, they're not really a think tank. They're an organization that does politics and policy. They do it at the local level. They have chapters where you can show up. One of the things they've done is they've trained an army of door knockers. It was actually uh, some folks at AFP who told me that the door knockers they've got in Georgia are focused only on voters who vote only in general elections, and those voters are breaking two to one for Herschel Walker. Uh, as they're just giving uh, information out to voters, trying to assess the political mood out there. They're a great organization. They teach you how to be an activist, how to be a door knocker, how to show up at your local city council, at your local school board, at your state rep- state house and state senate. They give you the data you need to advance sound conservative public policy. They're just a good group of people. I'm happy to be affiliated with them. I want you to check them out, please. Because all of you want solutions. You don't just like to hear me complain about stuff. You like to get answers and solutions. One of the groups that has great answers and great solutions for free people and free markets and small government is Americans for Prosperity. If you go to americansforprosperity.org slash Eric, you can find their local group. They've got one in every state or they're starting them in states. I know in Alabama, they're starting to grow grow an organization there. Uh, They've got one in Georgia. They've got them in Texas, all over the country. You can become a member of AFP. You can work for free markets and free people and small government and sound conservative policy. You can learn how to show up and be an activist at your city council or your school board meeting. Americansforprosperity.org slash Eric. Americansforprosperity.org slash Eric. Learn to be the activist you've wanted to be and learn to move your state to the right. I feel obliged to tell you all. Taylor Swift's new album came out at midnight called Midnight. I feel obliged to tell you this. Because my daughter, who is a Taylor Swift fan, is going to ask me if I said anything. And if I don't, I'm going to be in trouble with her. For once in her life, she did not stay up to listen to the Taylor Swift album because she had tests this morning in school and she couldn't. She was very bitter about it. (laughs) I've been to now four music concerts in my life. Two of them Taylor Swift, one Adele. And I can't remember the other dude who was, I guess, TikTok famous at some point um, that I took my kid to see. My son, I'm taking him to see Nate Bergazzi. Um, he he likes stand-up comedy, and Bergazzi doesn't use profanity, so I can take him. So there we have it. Now, uh, before I get out of here, i got to tell you, Elon Musk looks to be closing the Twitter deal in the next week and says he's going to lay off about 75% of Twitter staff, get it to a staff comparable to its valuation, which is interesting to me uh, in large part. I, I think that he's right, by the way. Uh, I think that um, Twitter is overvalued, that it has overinflated its um, it's overinflated its usership. 
on the like. I'm I'm not a big fan of Twitter. I feel like I have to use it for work. Um, and it is an emotional thing where if you're not there, like I, I've gone into meetings about books and stuff. They're like, how many Twitter followers do you have? And if I go on TV, they're like, well, you push this out to people on Twitter, push these clips out and stuff. I don't like it. I hate the site. There are some wonderful people I've encountered on Twitter. I've actually made friends off Twitter. I mean, heck, Charlie and Philip, who both work for me, I met them on Twitter. They got their job through that. But I still wish the site would go away. I, I, it's one of those things where I have a hard time not wishing bad things to the people who work at Twitter because they're all a bunch of malicious progressives who have an agenda to silence anyone who disagrees with the left. Just don't like it. But I have found some good friends there, including some of you. So I appreciate that. Now, uh, speaking of friends, I want you to come um, hang out with me next Friday, October 25th, at the Governor's Gun Club in Kennesaw, Georgia. Don't care which station you're listening on. 28th, yeah, come see me. It'll be Friday the 28th, a week from today, uh, Governor's Gun Club. You can get a VIP ticket, show up early, or get a regular ticket, show up for the main event. Uh, detailed briefings on the last two weeks of the midterms. Uh, sample some bourbons. If you're a drinker, you don't have to be a gun owner or a bourbon uh, drinker. Just come. Text bourbon to 33777. Get a ticket. Text bourbon 33777. Get a ticket.